people may look at me and I might look a little different, but I don't even view myself as the girl in a wheelchair. I mean, I may sometimes as a joke be like, oh yeah, like I'm the girl in the wheelchair, but like, I don't wake up every day and be like, oh yeah, I'm in a wheelchair. It's just like, I get out of bed and that's That is what it is. Yeah. If you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome back to 10,000 No's. Thank you, as always, for being with us. Our last several episodes have been shorter solo riffs on a variety of topics, and today's guest, Ashley Longo, is the perfect pivot from last week's episode titled, How to Stop Analyzing and Act. In fact, Ashley is such a doer that when we sat down, she kept saying, I don't get it. Why interview me? What's the big deal? This is a common trait of my guests, humility. They just don't see their accomplishments as being such a big deal. They're too busy saying, what's next? What's my next challenge? For Ashley, her next challenge is law school this fall. At 22 years old, I believe she is by far my youngest guest on the podcast. She just graduated Loyola University in Los Angeles, and she's headed back there for law school at the end of this summer. And she's done this and many other things, including mentoring a young girl in San Diego who is newly paralyzed, interning in Senator Dianne Feinstein's office, playing basketball, performing in school plays, getting her driver's license the day she turned 16 body surfing, red flag waves, and skiing, among other things. She's done all of this despite having been paralyzed from the waist down since birth. But being born with a spinal problem that is formally defined as a bone abnormality has done nothing to slow her down. As you'll hear, she doesn't think of her life as withstanding 10,000 no's. She just refuses to acknowledge the word no altogether. Here she is, Ashley Longo. I think, you know, I was born with this disability, so I don't really know anything different as compared to someone that, you know, could walk and then was, you know, got in an accident and then was paralyzed. Me, I was born. I don't know any other way. This is like the way I grew up. So to me, this is normal. It's not anything different. So I don't know. Like this is, this is my life. It's not like I can look back and be like, oh, I'm different from everyone else. Like this is the way I've grown up, the way I've always done things. So it's not odd or different. I mean, people may look at me and I might look a little different, but I don't even view myself as the girl in a wheelchair. I mean, I may sometimes as a joke be like, oh yeah, like I'm the girl in the wheelchair, but like, I don't wake up every day and be like, oh yeah, I'm in a wheelchair. It's just like, I get out of bed and that's That is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there are the physical challenges And I would love to hear one of the things that struck me was that after your, your first surgery, you had three major spine surgeries Mm -hmm. and this is when you were young. So the first one that I I was told you were, it was 11 hours and you had to recover lying completely flat for a year. Is that something that you, do you remember that or? I don't remember that. And I actually just like, 
I mean, I'm sure my parents have told me before, but maybe like six or eight months ago, somehow I was talking to my mom about it and she brought that up and I was like, really? I never even really knew that. Maybe it was just like in the back of my mind. And now knowing that I, I look back and I'm kind of like, maybe that's why I'm so resilient, resilient, you know, like I had to lay straight for an entire like year. And I mean, as a baby, that was like no big deal. I'm sure you're sleeping most of the time when you're a baby. I don't know. Um, but now looking back, I'm like that, you know, could have like imprinted something in me. I feel like yeah, it sounds silly a pa- saying a patience, a yeah, sort of, patience, determination. By the way, no, I mean, I have two kids and no, they're not just laying flat. Really? For a year. Know, like- so that's incredible. Actually, that's why it struck me so much. And, and you know, the next, so that's one part of the question, which is, you know, maybe you were too young, but it's somewhere in your body. But the other thing is there are physical challenges that you have as a result of from the waist down paralyzed Mm -hmm. that the physical aspect, but what about like psychological or social aspect? What's the difference in, in like you were saying before, uh, people could look at you differently or they could say the girl in the wheelchair or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. I don't even, I'm sure there are tons of stories in that realm how does that play versus the actual physical challenge? I think the physical challenge was never too big of a thing. Like I said, just because I was born with it, I don't know anything different. You know, when you're a child, you learn how to walk and all those things. When I was a child, I learned how to transfer in and out of my wheelchair. You know, when I turned 16, I learned to drive, but I just learned to drive a little different. It was always just little modifications that nothing was too insanely difficult. Um, with the social aspect, and emotional, I feel like that also wasn't crazy difficult. I think it was difficult more for other people to understand than for myself. Um, my parents always just gave me this attitude that nothing was ever different about you. So I always had that same attitude. And I was lucky enough where I went to a school. I started kindergarten. We went all the way through eighth grade. So when you're in kindergarten, you know, kids are just like, why are you in a wheelchair? And you explain to them and two seconds later, they forget what it's like. So I'm lucky enough that I was with those same people for what, 12 years. So they just knew me already. Oh, that's Ashley, whatever. You know, by the time you're like 12, 13 and kids are like, wait, like what's wrong with you? Um, but I think because I had that, you know, as a kid that no one really treats me any different because I grew up with those kids. That's always been then my attitude starting high school again, college. I've never had a problem meeting friends, meeting new people because I'm not self-conscious. So they're looking at my wheelchair and just like, hi, I'm Ashley, you know, nice to meet you. And I've kind of learned if you act like it's not a big deal, other people don't act like it's a big deal. So if you're just like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. They, you know, might question it for five, 10 minutes. And if you bring it out in the open, yes, I'm in a wheelchair. You make a joke about it. They feel comfortable like 15 minutes later than we're talking about, you know, your favorite TV shows, where do you like to shop boys, all those things. And they forget that you're even in a wheelchair in the first place. I have so many stories where my friends, like we'll go somewhere with a bunch of stairs and they'll start just like walking down. They're like, why aren't you coming? I'm like, you guys need to help me down the stairs or, you know, getting in my car. Like they'll get into the passenger seat. I'm like, you forgot to put my wheelchair. And they're like, oh yeah, yeah. Sorry. Totally forgot about that. Or, you know, parties in high school and college, a lot of houses, you know, have stairs and steps and that was never a problem. They'll be like, okay, so we'll get a guy in there to carry you up and we'll grab your wheelchair. You know, no big deal. It was never like I was left behind. You know, if you act like it's no big deal, people forget about it in two seconds. I think it's a lot about, 
your personality and the way you handle the situation instead of being, woe is me. Oh, I can't go because, you know, there's stairs and I'm in a wheelchair. If you act like it's no big deal, everyone else will act like it's no big deal and look at who you are and your personality. Yeah. You know, if someone walks and they don't have a great personality, you don't want to be friends with them. It's not because, you know, they have a disability or not. It's their personality. Right. Well, do you feel that you're actually at an advantage to others that are your age. I'm sitting with you. You're 22. To me, you don't feel 22 <laughs> at all. You feel yeah. way beyond your years. So I'm wondering, do you almost feel that the, the, what you've had to go through, if it takes, you know, one person 30 seconds to walk through a door, just pull it open and go through because you have to work more to do things that, that others may not have to work as hard. Has that made you almost more well-rounded or more worldly? Or have you had to have interactions with doctors, say, at, a, at an early age that I wasn't having those conversations with adults at, at an early age? Do you think that that has somehow added to your personality or your your repertoire of gifts and talents and skills? I think so. I mean, I've, I'm always told I'm such an old soul and that sometimes I'm like, wait, really? Like, I don't even really see it. But I think, you know, I have had a lot of people tell me, no, you can't do this. And obviously a lot of obstacles come my way. And I think that's made me a fighter, very determined and a lot stronger of a person. Um, and I think a lot of peers my age don't necessarily have that. So you know, sometimes I do get frustrated with my friends. Like, no, like that's not a big deal compared, you know, they're freaking out about a boy or a grade they got on a test. And like, that's really not that big of a deal, but you know, you have to realize in their shoes, that's a huge deal. And I've had a lot of bigger obstacles that I've had to go through that I think, yeah, definitely has made me a lot stronger of a person and understanding, you know, other people and where they've come from and the different things that can happen. Early on, you, there were mommy and me classes with mm-hmm. your mom, Kathy. Your mom started a, a mommy and me group for kids with disabilities. How does her resilience weigh into you? I guess it's also what you know. That's all you know is she's your mom. But- I think, you know, what was really great is my parents you know, never put me in a special school. They never did a lot of special things. Uh, you know, starting off doing mommy and me classes, you know, holding me and running me around doing duck, duck, goose, you know, ballet classes. My mom said, you know, we would still go to regular ballet classes that, you know, like four-year-olds do. And she would just hold me to do the dance moves and stuff. Um, and that kind of followed me to show you, you know, you can do anything everyone else is doing, just maybe a little different. Um, as long as you know, you're just having fun with it. And then on top of that, I think sometimes you do need a support group. And that was, you know, the mommy me for people with disabilities wasn't necessarily for me as much more as my mom, because, you know, when you're young, you don't notice that a lot of people are saying different things about you or staring at you. And I think my parents took that a lot more than I did. Um, and I think, you know, I look at other people with disabilities and their different families and a lot of them, you know, still live, live, are living at home or don't feel like they can go to college or achieve a lot of things. And I think a lot of that comes from, their parents telling them that you, they can't do that or babying them 
And my parents never did that. Same with my siblings. I'll drop something on the floor and be like, can you guys pick that up? And they're like, no, you could do it yourself or we'll be out in public. And there's a huge hill. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. Can you please push me? And my sister will be like, you can do it yourself. And like, you look around and people are looking at her like, oh my God, did they really just say that to that girl? They're being so mean to that girl in a wheelchair right now. And like, I'm sitting there like, oh, like, why are you making me do this? But I think my, my family, my parents' resilience doing that has made me the person I am today, you know, and I started noticing that when I was a lot older, you know, when you're younger, you're like, why are my parents so annoying? You know, why are they involved with my life? You know, when you're like a teen, yeah. like get away from me. And now I'm like, well, my parents are really cool. You know, they pushed me to do whatever I really, you know, whatever I want to do. And they never told me no was an option. They never listened to those doctors advice or just society's advice or views on people with disabilities. And I think a lot of people that do have any form of disability play into that. And because of their parents telling them, you know, oh, you can't do that here. I'll do it for you. They end up not achieving, you know, their full potential or their dreams. That's a big theme on this show. A lot of people uh, have have spoken about victim mentality versus saying I'm responsible for everything that happens to me. And there's no this is what it is. I'm where I am because of my actions. And it sounds like you have that in spades in terms of there's no victim mentality whatsoever. What is your advice for someone who is, take your your friends from before, they're dealing with, you know, a boy problem and you're, you're, uh, you're saying, well, you know, that's not, that's, that's over. You can overcome that. Is there, is there like a, maybe it's, it's so ingrained in you. It's not even conscious, but is there a way that you speak to yourself to get yourself over hurdles? Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily something I wake up every day and say, I think it's just something you have to train your mind to think almost, you know, no one wants to be around, the victim. No one wants to be around someone that's feeling sorry for themselves all this, all the time. I think that's a really big thing. Um, like I said previously, I've never had a problem meeting new people because of the way I present myself. And I think it's the same thing. You know, if someone disability or not is playing the victim or saying woe is me all the time, no one wants to be around that as much. And I think, you know, if you have the attitude, you can achieve anything that that will happen. Yeah. It might, you know, take some hurdles along the way, but if you know you yeah. can, you do it. I wish I had what's better. The, well, what's the biggest one? No, that's okay. What's the biggest, what do you think is the biggest challenge that when you first w- had the desire to do something, whether it was to do a play, I know you've done plays or, or to play sports to any, any, what, what's been the biggest hurdle and how did you How did you overcome it? I think people's perception. You know, I majored in sociology in college. Um, I just graduated. So it's on the top of my mind. And obviously sociology is the study of society. And that was the most perfect major for me because I think the way society views people with disabilities has been the biggest hurdle for me. Um, A lot of times, you know, I just wrote my huge term paper on it and a lot of people believe disability isn't necessarily a physical aspect, but more of a social aspect. And it's the way others label people with disabilities. And if you're sitting there telling me you can't do something that makes you not do something. But if no one said anything, it's almost like you don't have a disability at all. 
which is a really interesting concept. But I think it's, you know, I remember I wanted to do the volleyball team in like sixth grade because all my friends were doing it. And that was like the coolest sport to do when you're a girl in like sixth grade. And my school told me, oh, no, you can't do that. And I was like, why not? And they're like, oh, it's like a liability reason. People are going to fall on top of you. And, you know, you're not going to add stuff to the team anyway. And I was like, what that? Like all of my friends are doing that's really unfair. Um, so I, I went and like, you know, went to the games with my friends, but I had to sit on the sideline, which is not cool. That's something that would never happen to me. But when, you know, like an authority tells you, you can't do something, you can't do something, you know, yeah. you end up not being able to do it. Um, so I think it's the way people telling, you, no, you just have to be like, watch me. That's my biggest drive out there. Ask my parents. I'm so stubborn. Um, and I hate it when people, you know, try to help me. And all of those things, when people say, oh, no, you can't do that. Let me do it for you. I'm like, no, watch me. Yeah. Whether it's, I don't even know, going away to school, becoming a lawyer. So many people, my favorite thing in the world is when they're like, oh, you just graduated. What are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm going to law school. And their face is like, wait, really? And, or it gets really like high pitched. Oh my gosh. Great for you. That's so great. Yeah. Like they're so surprised. Yeah. And it's just, it's funny because I think, you know, everyone telling you, you can't do certain things like watch that's my biggest drive if you want me to do something tell me I can't do it and then I will definitely do it for sure so is that <laughs> is that something you are going to law school congratulations congratulations by Thank the way you. uh is is that something in the back of your mind right now that you want to do with a law degree is kind of a larger scale advocating for the you that wanted to play volleyball and was told they weren't like you just said about authority figures. If they tell you, you can't do it and you can't get into the league, you can't get into the league. Is that now as an adult, something that you hope that you can change, like change legislation in some way for, cause you're saying it's really the, it's the view of people with disabilities, not so much the disability itself. Is that something that you have on your mind right now? I know you're, you're just, you know, you haven't even gone yet, but is that something in the back of your mind? That's one of the things you want to do or not even, are you? Definitely. I really, I, I toy along, I toy with it a lot. The idea of it, um, that is definitely a huge thing I've thought about. And, uh, luckily the law school I'm attending has a huge department in that area. So, um, I think it would be a really great thing because what I always say is people would, I'm the one that has experienced it, you know, um, but on the other side of that, you know, my whole life is with a disability. So I don't know if I want my entire career to be every day, um, defined by that, defined by that, you know, I'm already the girl in the wheelchair. I don't need to be the girl in the wheelchair. That's also a lawyer that helps other people with disabilities. It's a really long title, but at the same time, um, I, you know, I'm lucky enough that I have had the college experience. I am going to law school. Uh, I do have a voice and I feel like not a lot of people with disabilities have that voice, especially because a lot of people quiet them. So I would, you know, love to do that, whether it's just working on a couple cases, a couple of laws and legislations, or, you know, if that's my full-time job. But I think definitely once in a while, that is something I would be interested in doing. Yeah. Well, just, something that yeah. I, I spoke to your dad about was, the residual effects of just being an example is maybe what you're talking about, that you don't necessarily have to make that the front and center, but just someone seeing everything that you've done. Uh, he was talking about one of the schools where, where you used to go has now cha <clears throat> changed their accessibility, 
just because of you, just because of you had gone through there and they've made it better for future generations. And that's kind of the, the positive, like what's in your wake is that all these positive residuals of you just being you without necessarily having to make that the front and center. So that makes sense to me. I guess going back to the self-talk, and I, I understand where you're saying, like, I, I don't know that I wake up in the morning and say this, but what is the what is the belief or the or the mantra that you kind of? I mean, you said like nobody's going to tell me no. I'm going to I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to. Uh, you tell me no, I'll prove you wrong. Is is that? Is there anything that 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 scares you or anything that feels like it's too? too much of a challenge to take on? I don't think there's one particular thing. I think just growing up the different obstacles that you, that get thrown your way that I didn't really realize when you're younger, you know, there's a couple little obstacles here and there. Like someone's having an ice skating birthday party. How am I supposed to go to an ice skating birthday party? Then when you get older, moving to college, how are you supposed to deal with that? Um, you know, and then eventually career wise, I think just the larger steps freak me out a little bit sometimes, you know, eventually this is what I've been thinking about recently, which I don't have to worry about for a little bit, but having a family one day, um, you know, pushing my child in a stroller, picking them up from the ground, all those type of things freak me out a little bit. Um, but you know, I do realize that I've done so much that that's not going to stop me. You know, I've always wanted to be a mom one day and have a lot of kids and, you know, just not being able to pick them up from the ground isn't going to stop me from having children one day. But I think just the larger obstacles in life that are thrown your way start freaking me out a little bit as you get older. Um, But you just kind of have to go with the flow. You can't freak out and plan about that in the future. And when things get thrown your way, you have to figure out how to deal with it in that second. Because if you plan too much, that's going to be a problem. You psych yourself out about it, I think. Yeah. And what about like community? You were talking before about uh, your mom with the mommy and me, and that's almost more the community for the moms. It's it's more, uh, is, is there anything along these lines then where you feel like it would, whether this exists for you already, I don't know if there's a circle of friends that you have that have similar disabilities, or is that something that you would desire? Or is that something, again, going back to the law school thing where you're like, no, I don't want to be defined by that. I'm not going to be is like, how does community and people with light with similar disabilities weigh into your plan? Interesting enough. I don't really have many friends with people uh, that have disabilities and that has never necessarily been my thing. I know when I was younger, my parents tried putting me in sports camps for people with disabilities, um, to meet people that are in wheelchairs or have similar things to me. And that's just not necessarily my vibe. I'm not knocking it at all. That might help some people. But I think the reason I am today is because I don't view myself with a disability because I surround myself of with able bodies, quote unquote, I guess you would say. Um, I feel like if I was only hanging out with people with disabilities, it's kind of like a forced thing. I'm not going to hang out with you and have a lot of common just because we're both in a wheelchair. You know, you could like completely different things from me that, and just because we're both sitting down and maybe have a couple of the same experiences don't, it doesn't necessarily mean we're going to vibe. Um, so especially as I've gotten older, you know, I, it's not 
really my thing too much. The only thing I do enjoy doing is I peer mentor a couple of children um, that are in wheelchairs, you know, here and there, um, just to show them that you can do anything you want. They're like a lot younger, like eight, 10, um, you know, that you can do whatever you set your mind to. Um, and I, I, this sounds kind of bad. Like, I don't want to make it sound bad, but I enjoy giving my time to those that don't feel sorry for themselves, which sounds really silly, but the little girl I peer mentor right now, her family, I just, she lives down in San Diego. I just went and visited them. She was in a dance concert. So I went to go support her and she was the only girl in a wheelchair in the entire thing. And that was the coolest thing. And that's, I enjoy like giving my energy to her because her parents are raising her the same exact way that my parents raised me. But once in a while, I'll meet those people where they feel sorry for themselves and, you know, don't feel like they can do a lot of things. And I, I don't want to surround myself with those type of people and we, you know, won't have too much in common because of that. Um, so I think that I think surrounding myself with people that are able body is what has made me who I am because that they don't want to hear and listen to me talk about my wheelchair. And that's, so I don't think about it all the time. I think that's where I'm trying to get at. You know, if I was constantly with people in wheelchairs, then that's all we would be talking about. And that would be surrounding my life. And yeah. that's not my life at all. Well, that's something that I had heard about your, your college application essay <laughs> that you, you talked about life, you talked about challenges, you kind of went through everything. And at the very end, it says, oh, and by the way, I'm in a wheelchair. What is your definition of the word? No. How does that translate through your brain and come to you? I think that means you, you can do it basically (laughs) when someone says no, it's like the opposite effect. (laughs) Like, Oh yes. Basically no means yes. I guess you could say it. Um, if you, I'm telling you, if you really want me to do something, even if my parents were like, Oh, you can't clean the dishes. I'd be like, yes, I can. That's like the way they could get me to clean the dishes. Um, I think it just means watch me truthfully. That's the best thing I can say. Um, that I I'm going to succeed no matter what. And that you're not going to stop me, I guess. That's <laughs> great. That's so great. Uh, well, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. And thank you for having me. Okay. We've never done this before, but we had some technical issues on the day that killed our flow a little. So when we finished the interview, I continued talking with Ashley and her father. I said, I'm just going to hit record in case we stumble upon any gold. And I'm going to give you now a few clips from that post-interview chat before we get to our normal top three takeaway section. You can always skip straight to that if you prefer. But the reason I want to include these clips is that some of what you'll hear is related to what may be one of the biggest challenges for people with disabilities, according to Ashley, society not always knowing how to react. And I thought this may also pertain to situations like seeing an elderly person struggling with a door or speaking to someone who's lost a child, situations where it's the elephant in the room and no one knows what the, quote, rules are in helping or not helping or bringing it up. So Ashley shares some frustrations. I had to pull those out of her because she really doesn't focus on those negatives, as well as some, at times, awkward situations she's often faced with. She brings some humor to these anecdotes, particularly what people will sometimes say to her when she's out at night in a bar. I think the takeaway is that it would be easier if people just treated her like a, quote, normal person. Here they are not, oh, I'm in a wheelchair. These are my problems. Like my problems 
in my daily life are like a normal 22 year old girl's problems, which is the funny thing. Like it's not, my problems are, oh, I have this doctor's appointment or my legs are hurting because of this. Those aren't my daily reoccurring issues, I guess. Yeah. Say. Which yeah. is why I feel like I'm so uninteresting. It's <laughs> like, if you sat down with just like a, you know, like our next door neighbor, like she'd probably be having the same conversation with you. I don't know. You might tie in, you know, here, here and there little obstacles, but yeah. you just, you can't let that like stop you. But what would like be an example of an obstacle that would frustrate you? I think, okay, it's now summer, obviously. So everyone's going to the beach and I, we're like two minutes from the beach. Obviously I love going to the beach. Um, but something that's always frustrated me is I wish I could just like run in the sand and run into the ocean. I still go in the ocean and I love going to the beach and stuff. Wow. Cal, how many times I said beach in that sentence? I don't know why I keep saying that, but it's going to take me a little longer to get there. So if all my friends are like, Oh, come on, like we're, it's a nice day. Let's go in the water. You know, it's going to take some more time. Like people have to carry me down or we have to find a beach wheelchair or, you know, someone has to help me into the water. It's not an easy thing, which can be frustrating to me sometimes. Um, same with like a little thing. If my friend has a, a little bit of a smaller car, actually one of my friends does, she has two seats in her car. It's like one of those really small cars. And so she's like, Oh, I'll drive. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm so tired of driving, please. But then it's going to take some more time to get my wheelchair into the car, which might be like, okay, fine. I will just drive then just small, little, really little things like that. Or, you know, I recently turned 21, like I guess a year ago. And when we go out to bars and clubs, I'm very low to the ground and people will like stumble on top of me. That's so frustrating. I just went out this weekend and it reminded me um, that I, those are kind of where I have the weirdest experiences too. drunk people coming up to me like, oh my gosh, you're just so amazing. It is great that you're out here today. And I'm like, what, why are you telling me this? Right <laughs> now? Like, I'm just trying to have a fun time. I'm like, thank you. Shirt, you too. Have yeah. a great night. That <laughs> happened to me like three times this week. And it happens to me all the time, but I like sometimes we'll just forget about it. And it's so strange, but just normal 22 year old problems. And then just add the wheelchair add on top that. of that. But people do, it's almost like people don't know how to react or yeah, what to say. At all. That's the weirdest thing. When people baby me or get uncomfortable around me, and it's kind of like, okay, and, or, you know, my friends or my family will be like, oh, you have to meet Ashley. Like they'll just say Ashley. So then they'll talk about me and then I'll meet them, you know, a couple of days later or something. And they're like, oh, you're Ashley. I'm like, yeah. Like, it's so funny to see how shocked they are. Yeah. Like, cause does it bother you about them or does, um, or does it, uh, is it kind of like a fun thing that you, you can toy around with? That's your I own little private joke. Funny or? sometimes, you know, like, yeah, it's entertaining once in a while. That sounds like I'm a horrible person, but it's just, it's a no, social experiment, is, you know, yeah. Yeah, people aren't going to say, oh, you have to meet. Ashley, this girl in a wheelchair, they're just like, oh, you have to meet Ashley. And then they're like, oh, you're Ashley. You're the person that they've been talking about, but it, it doesn't seem like you would be the girl in the wheelchair. I see myself as walking. Like when I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll walk over there. I never say like I'm wheeling over there or I'll roll over there. When I was graduating, someone was like, oh, when you roll across the stage. And I was like, like, like the, that wording just makes it sound more uncomfortable. Just say go across the stage or walk across the stage. You don't have to like emphasize the role, you know, like, it just makes it more uncomfortable. Like at graduation too, I was sitting next to a bunch of my friends and someone was like, okay, you guys are up next to walk and get your diploma. And they go up to the 
the girl next to me and they're like, oh, so you're going to help her. And some, for some reason we had like this, it was a group of my friends and next to me was this random girl. And she was like, so caught off guard. She's like, wait, what? Like I, we have to help you. And I was like, no, 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 she's not helping me. Like I'm going across the stage by myself. And I go to her like, I'm so sorry. She's probably like, what am why am I like next to this girl? I have to like go up and help her. And again, I was going up the stage. Like I had multiple people tell me that that was just sitting down, going up the stage. They're like, where's the person that's assisting you down? And I'm like, no one, like, I'm just going to get my diploma. Like, why are you bothering this poor girl? She's just trying to enjoy graduation. Like those type of things just happen all the time. I think. Oh my God. I hate it when people feel like they can't ask me about it that bothers me even more because then you're sitting there thinking oh what can't she do what she can't do yeah and then you're not focusing on like me as a person you're focusing on the disability recently I had a conversation with one of my professors I went to office hours and somehow we were talking about it and she's like well I can't like ask you why you're in a wheelchair and I can't ask people about their disabilities I'm like yes you can like it's not that big of a deal that helps like the stigma and stuff and she was like kind of annoyed and like three seconds later somehow we were talking I was saying oh I was driving there and she's like wait you can drive and I was like yes that's whole reason why you should ask me these type of things or you know not feel uncomfortable about it because then you just ask me like such a a different question people ask me that all the time but it's just why tiptoe around the subject yeah All right. I hope you enjoyed those clips. Here are the top three takeaways. We do it every week. We're not going to stop now. Number one, Ashley said, I've kind of learned if you act like it's not a big deal, other people don't act like it's a big deal. She may be talking about being in a wheelchair, but for all of us, it's different. Whatever it is that we're so self-conscious about, that we've magnified in our mind as being this terrible thing, if we just allow it to be Others are almost too concerned with their own issues to sometimes even notice it or at least think that it's as big of a deal as we think it is. She also talks about bringing it out in the open, possibly making a joke about it and how that can diffuse it and allow everyone to move on and judge her on the merits of who she really is rather than focusing on this one aspect of her. Number two, this one is just as much for the people we choose to have around us as it is for us. Ashley kept stressing the fact that her parents and siblings never babied her. When something fell, they say, you pick it up. This built confidence and strength. When we're around someone who doesn't force us to be the strongest version of ourselves, it may feel comfortable in the moment, but ultimately it leaves us dependent on them and less confident in our own abilities and strength. Also, she talked about hanging out more with, quote, able-bodied people because being around them pushes her and doesn't allow her to identify with her disability. Number three, this is from Ashley's recent term paper that she worked on. The biggest challenge is not the physical aspects of a disability, it's the societal view of people with disabilities. If you label yourself as not being able to do something, you won't be able to do it. But if you refuse to name it or to agree that you can't do something, it doesn't have power over you. Again, a common 10,000 knows theme, the power of language and how it can help you or hurt you depending on how you use it. I've heard this over and over, but hearing it from Ashley made it crystal clear. Where are you allowing others' opinions of what you can or cannot do prevent you from being all that you can be? All right, that is our show. So much gratitude to Ashley for opening up to us, to her father, Pete, for setting up the interview and his wife, Kathy, as well, just for 
bringing this strong individual into the world to show others what they can accomplish. Thank you for listening. If you feel like this or any other episodes of 10,000 No's can help a friend or family member, please share it with them so more people can be impacted. They can be entertained, helped by these incredible guests. If you can leave a review wherever you listen, that helps the visibility of the show, so we sincerely appreciate it. And if you subscribe wherever you listen, you won't miss any episodes when they come out every Friday. If you like today's conversation with Ashley, check out the links to these other related past episodes in our show notes. Tony Torres, who came out of extreme poverty to become a professional actress. Rob Whitaker, who was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer and chose to battle it with humor and irreverence. Or Poopery founder and CEO Susie Batiste, who overcame poverty, sexual abuse, a suicide attempt, multiple bankruptcies before being named one of America's richest self-made women by Forbes. Join us again next Friday for more 10,000 No's. For announcements and promo videos of who's next, you can follow me on social media. Those handles are at Maddie Dell on Instagram, at Matthew Del Negro on Twitter and Facebook. And you can email us at info at 10,000nos.com if you want to be added to our mailing list or with questions, feedback, or guest suggestions. Thanks again for listening and have a great week. Thank you.